Hello and welcome. This is a bonus episode. Me and Jeremy from this week uh, talked about guitar and he was showing me his new guitar he made and playing it and essentially giving me a lesson in music history and playing guitar uh, for like an hour and a half before we actually uh, started talking. So this is uh, an edited down version of that and I hope you guys get as much out of it as I did. Take it away, Jeremy. guitar in the, mo in the worst way possible like it's not really built around you learning the instrument you know what I mean because I had breakthroughs when I learned that like just learning how to harmonize the scale and learning yeah, well, see, that these that's... chords are everywhere and like should the people try to downplay the pentatonic like you got to learn other stuff for no the pentatonic was the first scale we were all gifted that's why it's the root of yeah. blues i could benefit from learning scales that's why i don't play lead because i don't i've never i never took a lesson so i taught myself at the time when i was listening to like nothing but 90s punk mm -hmm. so like you want me to do this all day i can do that all but day that, but see that's great that's actually a great starting point and they don't teach you how to go further so punk songs are always like a version of like it's all power chords and it's all <laughs> one five one four five it's all still based in the blues and gospel oh, so yeah. you're still always you're always you know what i mean and, and that's no effects <laughs> and, and the, the fact of the matter is so once you learn that you can either do major one, four, five, or minor, yeah. but it's all like related. And if you learn where those things are, you're like, all right, well. That's based off the, the major chord. So when you know what each chord, <laughs> each chord you're playing when you're playing in a song, yeah. it's representative of, it's like a harmonized note from the scale. But you only have one major scale. In, in that tone, you only have one minor pentatonic or major pen, and they're all really the same thing. Like they start telling you modes and blah, and it's like, oh fuck, what is all this? <laughs> but really, if they're telling you play the major scale starting on the second note, I forget what mode that is, but that oh that's Dorian or whatever. That's but you're there's all kinds of songs like mo half a Motown is. Switch it up to six. That would confuse the mess out of me before, until I learned. <laughs> until I learned, all right, that it was just playing in G major, right? If you take G major, let's see, like how you just play G major, not how I play G major. <laughs> Thank you. 
so my playing is rooted in gospel blues soul because I went, you know, went to a black church and that's where I learned my primary music skills. Yeah. I'll tell you there's a, a guy you can look at videos for free and you'll be learning like the gospel R&B soul vein. His name is Carrie Too Smooth. Once you start to see where that chord lies, you know, they call it learning the neck. So if you're playing something in C, C, G, D, E, you can flip that and do. Yeah, there's different spots where there's CG, and, and then you kind of learn different places, and that opens you up. You know what I mean? So I used to always think Jimi Hendrix stuff was impossible until I just started making it somewhat of a practice regiment. First, you learn the chords, all right? Yeah, you know what's funny? I, I relate everything I don't know to laziness. Because, yeah. like, when you're talking about Jimi Hendrix, like, Wind Cries Mary, right? Uh, like, I play Wind Cries Mary in the cheapest way possible, where it's just like... <laughs> but you know, the, for you to do that right, for you to do that right technically, you're just adding one more note. You're just adding the bar over a little bit. It's the yeah. same exact thing you're doing... It's, and I don't even think it's cheap because that's a different tone. You don't always need six strings ringing out. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, the, so, but, and it's the same thing with John Mayer is I, I, I shorten it up, right? Yeah. Cause it's, cause the fluidity that for guitar players like that, you, I, I can't do that. Like the fluidity that goes from this part to this part where mm -hmm. there's like six notes in between, I don't know. <laughs> It's, I, but really, I'm looking at your, your hand technique, and it's really just about laying a finger flat over a couple more strings. Oh, yeah, you but, know what I mean? Well, like, I mean, I can do... Because all that comes out of variations of a major chord. The cool thing about an instrument is it's a metaphor for life. You're never done. You know what I mean? You're never done learning. You're never done. You know, you you go. You can't get to the end of playing guitar. It's yeah. a journey for the well, rest of your life. And the big thing that I have kind of learned about myself as a musician is I cannot play. <laughs> and I, what I mean by that is like. I started to only pick up an instrument or turn on the keyboard or something when I felt like doing it. And mm -hmm. what that resulted in was, like, I didn't play anything for a year. I, I took up. a 10-year hiatus, which is <laughs> crazy. Like, go. I had an instrument since I was three, yeah. and I took 10 years off because you do have to be in a somewhat a state open to joy. You might not be joyful, but you yeah. have to be in an open state because... When it comes to music, we didn't invent any of this stuff. We're a vessel that it passes through. There's music embedded in your DNA. There's a reason yeah. why 
all of white America was able to get down with rock and soul and blues and jet. There's a reason because the building blocks of that are older than society. They're, they're older than yeah. the con- contrived bullshit that splits us apart. It's older than ruling classes. It's older than kings and queens. Like, when you study that, like this... That is a, a millennia old. Yeah. In Africa, five note um, systems of music go back before recorded history. Well, yeah, and, music, yeah, singing songs. Twelve note. Everything is. Forever. Look at every society. Every society has something with a string on it that you pluck to make a noise, a drum to hit, a cymbal or something like that, like something metal you can hit. A piano-like instrument, every like a horn, something you blow air in. We don't have like alien things. are not the most important in music that's why there's been so many blind musicians to kill the game because they weren't able to use a crutch all they stevie wonder all he has is his ear yeah even though i don't think stevie wonder is 100 percent blind i think he's legally blind but i think i've been faking i think he could see stuff i think he could see like blurs but maybe not i don't know but you know Ray Charles and Raul Madone and there's just, there's a yeah. list blind melon there's a list that goes back as, er, as to the earliest musicians we can name, there always was some blind guys. Yeah. Because you don't need your eyes. That You need your eyes in classical music, but that's because the conductor is the one who's kind of making the music. You're just a tool. Yeah, I mean, I can hear stuff better than I could ever... Like, you can give me guitar tablature all day long, and then piano, like, if I'm ever jamming, and which I really enjoy doing, but, like... I'm not a piano player, so I don't think anyone else enjoys it. But if you're like playing some chords, I can find it and I can play you a better part, a better lead part on the piano than I'll ever play on a guitar. Well, it's because you're understanding, I think you're understanding music in a mathematical way that's linear. Guitar is geometry. There's guitar, a guitar and they and they you just explain my entire problem. <laughs> they they screw you, you up a... because they teach you this G. Before they teach you this G. That cheat I always tell you. Remember, whenever you play this, they call this the old school gospel. Well, that major. so that little lick, that that's like that's the kind of shit that I hear in every song that's by a guitar player that I respect. Yeah, and it looks and sounds so simple, but I can't. It's double stops, bro. I, I don't have that control with these two. Fingers. You you do. You just gotta kind of. So like, eh! 
You just gotta kind of do it. Like it's kind of sloppier playing when you're doing because you're. You know, this is pushing one string yeah. before, you know what I mean? But you just gotta kinda like fat finger it on purpose. See it? When there's big artists that I like, part of me like, hopes their next album is a big flop so they can play smaller yep, venues. Yeah, Because I'm so, like, the last time I saw Jimmy World was at St. Andrews, and I was like, fuck, yeah, I was so excited that it wasn't like, like a stadium or yeah, somewhere yeah. bigger. And, uh, yeah, those shows are amazing. Like, Wait, so I've seen Dilla perform, JD, the famous beat maker from Detroit. Man, probably 30-some times, right? Yeah. And he never really got to that big stage... You know, he was getting there when he was when he was passing away, but I remember him as so authentic because I didn't have to translate. I was always St. Andrews, like front left of the state every single time. Like what he would be there with Common, he'd be there with a whole bunch of people, and I was always in the same spot. Yeah. Whereas I could only imagine, like I like the Dave Matthews band because they're like. They're very musical. They're, you they have know, a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> and I really like their independence They built their own audience. Oh, and, yeah. You know what I mean? They're not reliant on label deals and yeah. all that kind of... Labels want to mess with them. They don't need a label for anything. But I would go see them, and it was always like, Comerica Park, yeah. Ford Field, yeah. blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And they have a way of making that feel like a smaller place, but it's still 60,000 oh, yeah. people... It's totally different than, you know, a room of a couple hundred people. And after that, after the show, they're downstairs, like, meeting and greeting. Yeah. And and it's not even like, oh, a fan. It's like people are hanging out, eating pizza and chicken wings, talking to the artist, being real cool. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I got to see the clips like that. And, the, you know, the clips could fill stadiums. But their la before they broke up, their last tour came to St. Andrews. And they're like the most down-to-earth people yeah. ever. But I'm sure if I met them like backstage at Comerica Park at an Eminem show. Wouldn't be the same. It, because you diehards go to the intimate show. Yeah, yeah. People who want to be seen go to the big show. And it, and they well, are, a lot of like, especially if you get radio hits, those that's your audience at the stadiums. Yeah, yeah, and you have this whole sector of society that doesn't know what cool is and has to be told. You know what I mean? Like, I could find a song, and if nobody else likes it, but I like it, I'll stand on that. Like, all right, this is cool to me. I feel about most shit that I listen to. But you, there's there's a huge swath of American audience that is not going to. You could play them the a song that would move you. I mean, and there's cross genre stuff that is it's well put together, and it'll move you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You could see it in some Kendrick Lamar stuff, and you could see it in, like, Radiohead. You got hardcore rap fans bumping creep yeah. and shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, and you see crossover between that genre, too. Like, uh, I mean, now you start Daft, having. Look at Daft Punk. Like, yep. You start having beat makers, like, the, the alternative rock started going its way to the dance floor and even having an influence on 
like I look at Mr. Hudson, he's an English, uh, he's an English um, kind of pop dude who Kanye West stole uh, the vibe for 808s and Heartbreaks for. But that was, that's like old school crooner music, like Tom Jones meets like Boom Bap meets uh, alternative rock, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a blend of that that made this kind of new feel. I think it started with sampling, right? Like taking little... Well, I'm, that's the cool thing about that type of music. Sampling is your anthropology work. Like songs that somebody forgot about or didn't know or was a hit. You got to remember, we've had hit music since the early 50s, since It's My Party and I'll Cry If I Want To in Motown. That's the beginning of pop music, yeah. right? So think about all the... In, in every year, there's multiple hits, right? Oh, yeah. So we got 70 years of... So even without even going to the B-sides, which you can find amazing stuff on the B-sides of records, the songs that didn't get released. Yeah. Oh, you can go to Billboard Top 100 of, like, many decades, and you won't know most of those top 10 songs. Yep. And that's it, the cool thing about sampling is you can, give, you can give it new life. And sampling and cover songs, because you never yeah. cover something the, the way the original... Thank you. There's so many. <laughs> Bob Dylan wrote most of the songs from the fifth. Like, if you think about it, like Jim Croce and Nina Simone and everybody was doing Bob Dylan tracks. Yeah. And none of them sound like Bob. Like, honestly, and when you hear them, got more popular than the Bob, you hear the Bob Dylan one. You're like, oh, man, this ain't Jimi Hendrix all along the Watchtower. <laughs> but you got it. But he had his own folk thing. Yeah. Oh, the Watchtower. Yeah. Yeah, that's literally it's, like, and it's cool, but if if it wasn't for people being impressed by that, so Sam Cooke made "Changes Gonna Come." I forget the but he heard a Bob Dylan song, and Bob Dylan wrote a song about the African American experience, and it was beautiful, but it was still Bob Dylan. It's very Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah Bob Dylan. <laughs> he, you know, he's got vanilla soul. He don't have the. You know what I'm saying? But it, but there's he's so original and so him that it's still dope. Yeah. But then Sam Cooke was like, well. Man, if I sing about my people, it's gonna go crazy. You know what I mean? And then Chains Gonna Come came out. And they like this white guy singing about black people. Wait till this black guy sings about black. But that just shows you music inspires. Yeah, it didn't right. have to be. Bob Dylan might not even understand as thoroughly the struggle that he was singing about as Sam Cooke having Sam Cooke being per, like personally experiencing it. But his his words and what he put together were so moving to inspire. That's why music is important. Yeah. Like, the guy you... We're all made up of our influences. There's no one who's original. You have synthesis that oh, maybe somebody didn't think of before, but nobody is, like, the first guy to do that. Yeah. Generally, it's like, oh, man, there's this old cat who used to do this. I don't see anybody doing that. Let me try it. You know what I mean? Jimi Hendrix stuff. Can all his licks can be heard in... in R&B funk of the time because that's where he cut his teeth. Yeah. He played he played with the Isley Brothers for a year. He played with James Brown. He played with all these people and all, you know, people look at his stuff and they're like, oh, classic Jimi Hendrix chord. No, that's in every James Brown. That's the what a lot of people argue is a problem with anything like music or mu movies. We were talking about Netflix the other day. Like, 
There's only so many. You said right. There's three, three main, three mm. types of chords. And there's yeah, only there's, there's two. There's where well, I think only I so many five different movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you sat down, you started playing something. I thought it was one song. You told me it was two others. And it's the fact of the matter is, is that there's only so many notes, yeah. and the human voice only has so much range. While we see a whole bunch of talented people, dudes are always gonna be around the same. When your keys. mind's gonna find a melody. Even if you don't remember it, if you're playing that same chord progression, like if you're playing, you're gonna yep. find that melody that you're like, I don't know where it came from, but I. And I remember, there's in, in in our music system, there's only twelve notes. Yeah. So everything's gonna repeat, and that's the beauty of it because somebody else is playing it, and then somebody takes their feet. All right, I came up, and this is the way I came up, and the music that influenced me. So yeah. now I do. Whatever it is, well, that, and then <laughs> and then another guy is doing it in his version, which put a little spin on it. And these chord progressions that people were playing before recorded music still live on. There was a guy playing your vibe, but people thought it was weird in 18. You know what I'm saying? People thought it was what is this guy doing? I'm sure there was a guy playing something like punk rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a band from Detroit called... I want to hear 1870s punk. (laughs) Seriously. But, you know, it was was probably on a parlor acoustic guitar and a guy guy who they were like, oh, he's not very good or whatever it is. And he's just doing it out of the love. But beyond what we know, you know, there's a band from Detroit called Death who was playing punk music and metal music before Martin Luther King got shot. You know what I mean? This, they're like mid-60s playing this stuff that you never... I mean, yeah, yes, there were to... other guys that were doing the proto-punk stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, Iggy was in Ann Arbor making music and leading his way down to where he would be, yeah. you know? Um, I don't know what... Uh, I mean, Ozzy Osbourne would have been younger in, in the mid-60s, but he was still on it's his journey. It's hard to think of punk music in the 60s. But literally, the band Death... Listen, and, and when you think about when you hear it, there's a song called Politicians in My Eyes. I think it came out in 68. And it sounds like bad, bro. It sounds like some shit that came out in like 86 or, you know, came out in the heyday of or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just goes to show you we got to get away from everybody wants to claim this stuff because it's so cool. No, man, the, the, the originator of all this stuff is people coming together. It's not one group, one... Yes, black people did a whole lot, and the reason we did is because everything else was taken from us. You know what I mean? And we've always been inventors and all that kind of stuff. So the, the, the first people, the, the drum set, as you know it, trap set, is an African-American invention, goes to New Orleans. Because they wanted to take the second line, the marching bands, and put it in the club. Well, it didn't make sense to have five guys playing drums and five, you know what I mean? What a club, though. <laughs> I mean, you know? And, and originally, that's what they would have done. They just marched the whole fucking band into the club. But after a while, it's like, this ain't practical. We can't get the whole band going because... Jerry the cymbal guy is always fucking drunk or whatever. Let's missing. take these two times. Put it all. It. We yeah. just need one guy to show up now. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's necessity that breeds these inventions, and you see cool things happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Drum machine music was largely 
forwarded by African Americans and electronic, like all the EDM genre comes from Chicago and Detroit, house and techno music. You know, hip hop comes from New York, uh, Jamaica, uh, and the Midwest, right? Well, these synthesized things come at times where they, hip hop became big when they started taking instruments out of the classroom. People still wanted to make music, so now I got this computer. But that, the drum machine is made by a white guy. Roger Lynn is a beast. He can't make a beat like Dr. Dre. But if there was no Roger Lynn, there's no Dr. Dre. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the cool thing about it is you can't... Can't have one without the other. You can't separate the stuff. So if we remove the hate and the ego and the BS like that, you're left with the greatest thing America ever did. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you can call it rock and roll, but it's everything, yeah. dude. It's all these genres, you know? And rock and roll started by a bisexual woman. Rosetta Tharp. She was playing rock riffs at the age of six. I'm saying rock and roll, all these things we think of are so not... I was adv- I was like against rock and roll because it was it excluded me. Yeah, in the '80s, until I got friends in Clarkston, where I got to get education about things. Like I thought, all the shit in the '80s was corny, except for Living Color, because I had no representation. And not more, more than that, you talk to guys, and they, like, you hear the people that people admire talk about guitars, and they're only talking about black guitars. But then you go to uh, Guitar Center or whatever, and they're only talking about the guitars from Rat and the guitars from, you know what I mean? All these bands that didn't really include me you know Bon Jovi you started you saw a little crossover because it was New Jersey and that's just a tight knit city and he had black people in his band so did Bruce Springsteen Guns N' Roses has black people in the band so you saw some crossover and they did well with their crossover but a lot of the stuff just didn't feel like they were talking to me you know what I mean and once you, once we break down some of that, once we make sure we have inclusion in these genres, man, all this stuff gets better. And then maybe we can destroy the music business, which is the worst thing to happen to music, because the musicians don't make the money off the business. Oh, yeah, yeah. we were sucks. just talking about this, uh, me and Erica, because there's uh, we we're trying to discuss. So you know the whole Taylor Swift thing, right? That's the big. That's the big name with. That everyone mm-hmm. knows about like oh the management companies can own your shit yep, yep. um whereas like i'm like yeah but that happened to real big fish like 20 years ago well and it, it's been happening to artists for forever i mean it's been the start of it back when there was uh so back when harvard professors were were first recording blues guys for anthropology yeah and they found out that a dead blues guy would sell a lot of records that like changed everything ownership has always been somebody outside of the culture of music black white or whatever yeah it's always been some business guy and they always justify taking the majority of your play that's why everybody's selling their catalogs because the primary uh source of income has been taken from them and it's so worthless now even Justin Bieber's trying to sell his catalog because it's not worth as much to him but, as showing up. So that's what uh, we were talking about, though, is like, 
there's all this push, right? We're like, oh, if you're going to listen to, and again, I'm going to use Taylor Swift because that's the broad understood one. But like, if you're going to listen to Taylor Swift, listen to like Taylor's version, right? Mm -hmm. The re-recorded one. And I just got to like wonder why does it fall on the end user to do that? Yeah. And it's because, because they use American greed and business to get it to you in the first place instead of it having been. Yeah, but like I like those real big fish recordings from the first album. I don't want to hear the re-record that was fucking yeah, done ten but, years and, later. And the thing is that they're only doing that because American law says after seven years you can re-record it note for note, and now you own it. And it's only about ownership. So why aren't these people who are taking ownership for things that they don't? I get it. Back in the day when it cost sixty five dollars an hour to record, and you really needed an actual engineer as a yeah. as an as a as a sound engineer somebody who could solder and put together circuits all right that's a higher cost what is your justification for taking 88 percent of somebody's music like 12 well, percent is yeah. the best you can get on and streaming but i'm saying for the end user like if i like this version what am i i'm not supposed to listen to it now because the record company owns well, it and, and the, the thing is you should be able over. to listen to it, but the record company should be doing the right thing and giving yeah, the but, shit so to why the, does that fall on me to like because, punish the record company. I mean, why does it fall on you to pressure the auto industry to make cars that are better for the environment or the food industry to make food that doesn't kill you? You know what I mean? It just fits like the that's American it's way. where you just enter into like shouldn't there be a policy or like Oh, they have a system, a theoretical system in which you elect people from your local area to represent you hey, shut and up. they keep you. That's what Erica said. She's like, well, that's the new... Theoretically, elect. but it doesn't it work. It still falls on you, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, you're talking about the... We could go far down this road. <laughs> we can make it to the...